Yeah, I think for me, being sober is like a rebirth. I feel like I can truly now be myself. I can truly now look at myself and, and see what is it that I want for myself. I feel like I've missed out so much years drowning myself in alcohol, but I'm excited. I'm excited about my future. I'm excited about the connections that I've made. I'm looking forward to life again, really. And I would really like to thank Tribe Sober and the people that I've connected with there. Welcome to the Tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast, episode 197. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last eight years, we've helped thousands of people to do just that. And we created Tribe Sober because we know from experience that it's really hard to change your drinking habits alone. You need to find a new tribe. Social norms are so powerful and that's why connecting with others on the same path will keep you on track and inspire you to keep going. So at Tribe Sober we're all about community. It's a community where everyone strives for an alcohol-free lifestyle and many of our members are already thriving in their sobriety and inspiring others. Each week we feature a community voice just to give you a flavour of the awesomeness of our tribe. I did the workshop and I was, all all things were going well, but I was, again, I did the workshop. I was kind of getting, listening, looking at the WhatsApps, but I wasn't engaging. And three months later, I had that, not this moment, where I was driving to work. August the 17th, ice cold day, head out the window, absolutely desperately feeling so, so, so sick, so hungover, sick to my stomach, sick to my head, sick to every part of me. And and again, it was like I had that moment of not this, not this. This is not what you were put on this earth to do. And you've got to really change things up. And of course, having a not this moment, I then asked myself, so if not this, then what? So if you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. And don't forget to check out our dry January fundraiser, which will give you a flying start to 2024. And we're also offering a free webinar on the 12th of January, which is called 
kickstart your sober year and that's exactly what it'll do because on this webinar i'll be explaining why so many of us get stuck in our drinking and how to get unstuck how to make 2024 the year you ditch the booze and began to create an alcohol-free life that you love my guest today is tribe member bontley naguana after a couple of decades of problematic drinking, Bontle joined Tribe Sober in May 2022 and she hasn't had a drink since. For some strong people like Bontle, it's simply a matter of making the decision and then connecting with the right tribe. So let's hear how she did it. I began by asking Bontle to introduce herself. I'm a single mother of a 16-year-old daughter. I work in one of the major banks in South Africa, and I'm also an MBA student. So I grew up in the Northwest province here in South Africa, and I've got three other siblings. We grew up in a warm, loving home until my parents separated when I was 20. Shall we dive into the drinking story? Were you a teenage drinker? (laughs) Look, in my schooling years, I never really used to drink. I grew up in a household where my parents were very strict and we were never really exposed to to alcohol in in the home. I started drinking when I was 18. That was my first year of studies after completing my metric. That's where it started. I guess it all starts in those freshest parties that usually happens in our first year. So, yeah, that's where it, I was introduced to alcohol. It was one of those picnics where we went. And even today, I can't remember half of the things that happened in that picnic because I, was, I just completely blacked out. I think the following day, that's when I saw pictures, but I couldn't remember anything. Yeah, so that's where my journey really started. So how did it evolve in your 20s and 30s, Bontley? And when did you start to worry about it? In my 20s, when I was still studying, I used to drink a lot. But for some or other reason, I always did well in my studies. So I would study and I would also allocate time for me to go and drink. In my 20s, even when I started working, I was in the hospitality industry. I think alcohol just naturally forms part of that industry. So it would be drinking during the week. It would be drinking over the weekend. When I hit my early 30s, I think that's when I started to worry a bit about my drinking. I then thought, okay, maybe I need to get a project so I could be so busy that I don't necessarily need to think of drinking. But still, at that time, I registered, I was doing a new degree, but every chance that I would get, it would be binge drinking, it would be parties. All of the entertainment was just focused on drinking. So my 20s and 30s, it really escalated. And did you go through periods of not drinking? Did you take breaks? Did you do dry Januaries and challenges and things? Not really. I think in my 20s and 30s, I I never really imagined my life without alcohol. 
when you're just around, surrounded by people who drink, you never really think that you could live a life without alcohol. In my early 40s, that's when things started to change. I think the only time that I went, obviously nine months when I was pregnant, I didn't drink, but soon after I went back. And then in my early 40s, I remember just before COVID, I was so tired of drinking. I think also as we get older, the alcohol does not necessarily get out of your system as quickly as it used to. So it was very difficult with the hangovers. So I decided to take a break. I took eight months of not drinking, which was really great. But I think as soon as we got into COVID-19, that's when then things changed. I quickly just went back to drinking because I convinced myself that I needed something that could relax me and take away my anxiety. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. So that switched from drinking socially with your friends to you drinking at home. So for me now drinking at home during COVID, I think alcohol became my companion (laughs) during COVID. So I would be at home. Yeah, I would be at home and I would just drink because there was nothing else to do. I I just could see that it was happening often when I started hiding it and didn't want my daughter to know or my family to know how much I was drinking. And yeah, so that sort of escalated during the COVID season. What about the alcohol bans? How did you cope during those? Yeah, the means and ways. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Means and ways. What were yours? I never used to keep alcohol at home. I think that was one of the things that I had said for myself, I'm not going to keep alcohol at home. So I knew that there were friends of mine who kept alcohol. So we literally used to move that alcohol. If this one doesn't have, then you move to the next one. And then remember there were times where alcohol would be allowed, then I would stock as much as I can (laughs) just to make sure that I have. So during COVID, really, I continued just like that. Every day it was a hassle of who am I going to call who's going to give me a bottle of two. Yeah, yeah. And what was your consumption about that time, Bontle? Was it like a bottle most days or more than that or less than that? (laughs) It was like a bottle or a bottle and a half a day. Yeah. And yeah, on some days it would be two bottles of wine. Yeah, it just depended on what was going on that day, but it was nothing less than a bottle. Yeah, yeah. And did you ever have blackouts? You you referred to a blackout during your teenage years. Did did you still get them sometimes? Oh, I've had a lot of blackouts. I had a lot of blackouts. I can't even count. I remember I, I was involved in a car accident. I had a blackout while I was driving. Literally, I don't know what happened. I woke up and I had hit a wall. And luckily at that time, there was no one around. And, you know, somehow I woke up, I think it was after an hour or so, and I could reach out to my phone and call my sister just to come and rescue me. I think that for me was the worst of them all. But, you know, here and there, I used to have blackouts. And most of the time, really, when, you know, there's parties or 
you go somewhere and I think the worst thing was the the drinking and driving because literally yes. I would wake up in the morning and would not remember if I had come home safe if my car was still there so I would wake up in the morning and go to the parking lot and check if my vehicle is still there and oh. if I hadn't bumped anything along the way because I couldn't remember even how I drove home wow. so it was it had really escalated I think in in my 30s yeah yeah and that accident you had that could have been really bad was that your rock bottom or did you carry on drinking after that that was in 2018 and I think for a week or two I was like okay this is it I need to stop this is my rock bottom but I think at that time I would tell myself that it's a mistake that happened that day and I'm never going to drink like that again. I think I was not ready to let go of of alcohol, even though I I knew that I'm unable to stop once I start. So I continued. I think around that time for a few months, it was not as bad. I never used to have the blackouts, but after time, you just forget. You forget that you're involved in an accident. You just continue and think that I'm able to control myself. I will know when it's time to stop, but it's never the case, really. No. Were Were you trying to moderate consciously? I was trying to moderate. I was trying to moderate. I would tell myself, so some, most of the time I would just go and say, I buy one bottle of wine and I'm going to drink half of this wine and I'm not going to finish it. But for some other reason, I would finish it. I would then go and get another one. I think Uber Eats introducing alcohol was such a thing that threw me off completely because I, it was just so easy. I would tell myself that, okay, I'm just going to drink one, but I would end up ordering another one, another bottle. Once once we start, when we're dependent on alcohol, once we start, we've got no off switch, have we? However hard we try after that first one or two glasses, it's forget it, forget the rules. Yeah, because we are so now into it and that the excitement that you get from being tipsy and thinking that, yeah. oh, this is fun. And you just continue like that. You just continue yeah, I mean, like it's, so I really, it's our brain. Really There's that change in our brain, isn't there? There's that change yeah. when the prefrontal yeah. cortex, the sensible part of our brain, it just switches off. And that's why you've, you drink and drive as well, because we just lose yeah. our, our logical reasoning sense. Yeah, and that was really scary for me, I must say. Every time that I would do something when I I had a lot to drink, I would feel so guilty. And I would consciously tell myself that I am not going to do this again. But it just seems like it's something that one is unable to control. Yeah. It was such a, such, such a struggle, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard me talking on podcasts and maybe the Zoom cafe that the average length of time that we spend procrastinating, thinking I've got to give up, but I don't know how. It's 11 years. So it's you're not unusual in that, just feeling guilty and carrying on. And we have this kind of inner struggle, don't we, which is exhausting. 
Yeah, it is exhausting. And especially when you hurt people and during that period where you've just had too much to drink, it, it drains you. And I think the worst part is that you would then go to alcohol because you want to forget whatever yeah. happened. It's like it's sort of your coping mechanism. And really, it doesn't really make it better because then yeah. you have this anxiety. I used to have so much anxiety. I would, I would be so depressed and feeling so lonely, like I'm an outcast, like I'm not good enough, and and all of those things. But for some reason, I I just carried on. I just went yeah. with the alcohol because it gave me that relief for that moment. Yeah, it was my escape. And your daughter? Did she used to say anything to you? Sure, my daughter. I think she was 13, I think, when she realized that I have a problem. Because I remember there was a time where I went to a function with her and there was alcohol flowing. And I think I had two glasses of wine and I ordered the third one. And she said to me, don't you think you had enough? I was taken aback by then because yeah. I never really thought that she could see that I was drinking that much. And I would see the worry in her eyes, especially when I start drinking and especially yeah. when we go out and then I would have to drive back. I think one of the things that I really regret is, you know, putting her in charge so we'd go out, I would drink and we would, I would drive home with her in the car. Even now, I'm unable to let go of that guilt because I think that I've really exposed her to danger because of my drinking. So she could see, although we've never really at that time had a conversation around it, but I could tell from the comments and I would feel guilty and I would want to forget. Forgetting and masking would mean that I would have to continue drinking. Yeah, it's such a vicious cycle, isn't it? And children are amazing. 13 is quite young, but they don't miss anything, do they? They can see what's going on when you think that they're completely oblivious, but they take it all in. Yeah. (laughs) They take it all in. They take it all in. And I could tell how she would crave for my attention and for my love. And I think that maybe if I give her the love and the attention, she wouldn't go and drink. Reflecting on what has happened over the the past years, I feel so guilty, but I also try to forgive myself to say I, at some point I need to move on. I need to forgive myself. I need to seize the moment and enjoy the time that I still have with her. I have an opportunity to make things better with her and just develop that relationship. I can always just try and be better. Yeah, you you must forgive yourself. And as you say, treasure these last few years that she's living at home with you and your relationship will be all the stronger for it. So when was the moment when you thought, I can't do this anymore, I've got to quit? In 2021, I think I ended a, a relationship with somebody that I truly treasured and For me at that time, I felt so unhappy and I couldn't really put a finger on it, but I felt like I was so unhappy. And when the relationship ended, I continued drinking. But then I realized that even after I've left the relationship that I thought that was making me so unhappy, I am still unhappy. So there is really something to it. There's something that I really need to look at 
So I started listening to podcasts about happiness, about how to live a fulfilled life. And I picked up that a lot of people are are linking happiness to just being present and being your true self without anything that intoxicates you. And that journey went on. I registered for my MBA. I thought, let me get a project. I feel like I need to do something to keep me busy to fulfill my life because I felt like I had lost lost something. But still, I was feeling that, no, (laughs) there's something that I need to do. So in my MBA program, we have what we call a leadership quest. And in that, we have coaching and we have an opportunity to really delve deep down in ourselves and really introspect and uh, look at the type of person that you are and the type of person that you really want to be. So I knew at that moment that I was not able to be true to myself until I really look at my alcohol. At the time, I had gotten to a stage where I had to be true to myself. I knew that alcohol was really slowing me down. I was waking up with hangovers every day. I was tired. My eyes were puffy. My skin was dehydrated. And I was having so much anxiety. May was the time that I woke up in the morning with the biggest hangover and I said, this is it for me. I am yeah. not going to do this again. This is it. I I need to get help because I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. Yeah, because you were working full time and doing an MBA, weren't you? Yes. So, so really, you, there's no time. <laughs> there's no time to feel under par and to struggle with hangovers, is there? It was a full-on period, not to mention your daughter being a mom. So you must have been so busy. I was so busy. Being a single mom, my days starts at 5 o'clock in the morning yeah. and it literally ends at about 12 and 1 a.m. Oh. with having to do work and then move to my studies. I could feel that my body is drained. Yeah. I was five months into the MBA and I could feel that I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Something has to go because I was so exhausted. I'm sure you were. So yeah. you recognized that you needed help. So is that when you find, found us or did you try something else before? So th- this is one of the stories that was really my rock bottom. Though It was my friend's birthday and she's not a type of person that celebrates her birthday. So she had committed that she was going to celebrate her birthday with me, which is something that she hardly ever does. But on that day, we had an outing at work. We went somewhere, we drank, it was lunch and lunch that went into early dinner. First of all, I was late for my appointment with my friend because I had been drinking. I got there, I was tipsy, and we continued drinking. And halfway through the night, I was already drunk, and she was not happy. I I could tell the emotion, the way that she said, I don't do this, I wanted to do this with you, I wanted you to show up for me. That really got to me. And I think after a week, I went to an AA meeting. So I went to one meeting, and... I I felt so out of place. I felt so lost. I I didn't feel like people had an interest to talk to me, to know my story, or to give me an opportunity to just say who I was. So I, I never went back again. 
I think after my experience with AA, I had already started following Tribe Sober on social media and I followed interviews that you had with Eusebius Makaiser and I was literally taken aback by what alcohol does to one's body and the benefits really of being sober. So really it was a no-brainer the day that I decided that I wanted to stop to reach out to Tribe Sober. So at that moment, I paid my membership. I think that's when I reached out to you and it was a Saturday and I was invited to the Zoom Cafe. I was really excited. I felt this is really my chance to make things better and just to live a better life for myself. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Fantastic. So that was last May. And was it plain sailing from there or did you have relapses? What happened since you joined? I've never had any relapses. I think in life when one makes a decision and mm. I think a journaling helps. So I sat there and I really journaled and I, I poured out my feelings. And I think after the first Zoom cafe, that's when I'm hearing other people's stories and hearing where other people are. When I joined, there were people who were celebrating their two years and I was like, oh, I listened to their stories and I went away after the Zoom and I journaled why I want to stop drinking and I never really went back. I'm not interested to start again. So I never had a, a relapse ever since I started on the 6th of May. Well done. Yeah, that why list, it's so powerful, isn't it? And if you keep looking it at is- it. Have your whys evolved over the last year? It has. I think that it has always been about my relationship with the other, how I want to stop because I want to have a relationship with others, I want to reduce my anxiety and all of that. And now my why is more internal. I want to find purpose in my life. It's, it's about the self now. I think I realized in my journey, the, the one thing that gave me about so much anxiety about me stopping was, how are people going to take it? So it has always been about the external, the people, the things. But now it's about what I want for myself, what will make me happy. So it's more now inward looking. Yeah, Yeah, because we we start connecting with ourselves, don't we? And we start exploring what we really want out of our lives when we're sober. And when we've been sober for a while, as you say at the beginning, it's all about what will people think and how can I get through six o'clock without opening the wine? You mentioned what will other people say. You talked about your drinking friends when you were a drinker. So what did those guys say? (laughs) (laughs) I think the saving grace for me really was that I had always been working from home ever since COVID. And I somehow also was not spending a lot of time with my friends. I think that's why I I really started drinking on my own more and really started drinking more because I was not really socializing. So the two friends that were very close to me that I still really saw even during the COVID, 
one was really supportive and i think he was supportive because he had seen how <laughs> my drinking would get and he was very supportive of me even when we went out he would not drink we would speak for hours and i think he just knows my heart so he was really supportive but my other friend was not that supportive i think he, he was also going through a sense of loss <laughs> i think he was to think that oh i'm losing my drinking buddy i think <laughs> so it was very difficult for him he would we would go out and he would order a drink for me and i didn't like that at all i would just say to him that i'm not going to drink it because you know that i i don't drink and he would still go ahead I send a message to him to say, look, after this is what I've decided for myself. And yeah. whether you support it or not, it's it's fine. It, that has absolutely nothing to do with me. But I am not going to spend time with you until such time that you really understand that I do not want to drink. Yeah, so it, it has been interesting. We spent less time. So he recently got married. So we generally now we spend less time together which is fine and I still love him to be just my friend but my other friends are just fine I've always been the ringleader in terms of drinking I was just <laughs> worried that what's going to be my position now in the group but yeah it's they're all really supportive and they choose not to drink when we go out which is okay but I also don't mind them drinking I mean I can't stop them sure. but yeah I think they were more inspired also by hearing yeah. my story when I shared my story with with Anele so they inspired by my story. They now started asking, oh, what alcohol-free drinks are out there? I introduced them to alcohol-free wine. So they seem to have a liking to that. I think Fantastic. my anxiety really now is gone about friends. And, uh, but in the beginning, it was yeah. one of the biggest things that I was worried about. Yeah, You talked about you were worried about what your position in the group would be, but it sounds like it's gone from drinking ringleader to sober influencer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes <laughs> oh yes so i'm still the leader of the group but now yeah. with more positive things exactly yeah. you're you're influencing yeah. them in such a positive way now and, and i bet that it even your friend that used to buy you drinks when you went out i bet you know in due course he'll realize you're absolutely serious about this and your relationship will resume as it used to be i think our friends are, at the yeah. beginning, they can't believe it. They think, oh, it's just a silly fad or she's just having a little break. She'll soon be back yeah. to normal. But once they realize <laughs> we're serious, they change their view and they get used to it. And if they don't, then obviously we don't need them in our lives, do we? I think one needs to be a bit selfish and yes. think of themselves, really. Life is about me and not really about them. Yeah. A lot of us drinkers were people pleasers, I think. For me, that's how it all started, because oh. I just wanted to fit in with my friends at college. And it carried on mm. from there. But once we start connecting with ourselves and what's best mm. for us in life, then we change our, our behaviours often. 
Yeah. Funny you talk about being a people pleaser. I think I was definitely a people pleaser. And I also think that I used alcohol for me to be socially accepted because I realized that I'm not really a social person. I'm really more introverted than extroverted. So I was really using it so that I can now I realize that I can fit in. Yeah. No, I was the same. And a lot of drinkers, people that get into trouble with alcohol are natural introverts. But because society favours extroverts, really, don't they? It's always, you always want to be the life and soul of the group, etc. And perform well at work in social occasions. So we tend to, to drink to give ourselves that boost, but it doesn't work long term at all. I don't know if uh, you've heard me talk about that book that I love about introverts and extroverts, have you? It's it's called Quiet by Susan Cain. Oh. And she it's called The Power of Introverts in a World That Won't Stop Talking. <laughs> Great title. <laughs> and she's got a TED talk about it as well. And her theory, I think it's probably true, is that the world is divided 50-50 into introverts and extroverts. Yeah. But because of that pressure in society to be extrovert, a lot of introverts use alcohol to make that happen. So uh, it's such an interesting book. And she talks about how creative and how intelligent introverts are. So it's very good for one's self-esteem if you are an introvert. Yeah. No, it's really true. I like when you talk about the work part, because I think for me, it has always been about the work part where I need to show up and host and be this yeah. social yeah. person. Yeah, it's we, we get more in touch with what we really want, because it's back to the people yeah. pleasing, isn't it? When I used to get invited to things, I, I would automatically accept and then wouldn't enjoy it much or I'd have too much to drink. But these days, I'm quite picky about what I go to and what I don't go to. Yeah. I think, okay, I'm not going to be drinking there. Is everybody else drinking? Am I going to feel out of the zone? Or is it an event where yeah. I can really connect and, and enjoy talking to people? But yeah, I think we do need to think about what's really good for us rather than Mm. just be a sheep and follow the herd yeah true so you're coming up to your first soberversary aren't you which is pretty exciting yes so this coming weekend soberversary i'm so excited about it eh? brilliant you'd better come to the zoom cafe so we can all celebrate with you please (laughs) and then you will what's nice about is i think we've got a few members this week you're going to inspire new people they'll look at you and they'll think wow a whole year of sobriety just like you thought at that first meeting and it's so lovely to to pay it forward and help other people we've heard about your journaling do you still journal I still journal. I still journal. I think that has really helped me a a lot. I've I've learned to sit with things and put things on paper so that I don't feel like I'm carrying heavy on my shoulders. So I still do. Yeah. What else do you do to sustain your sobriety? Podcasts. I'm big on podcasts. I listen to each and every podcast that comes out that you publish. 
are also videos on YouTube, whatever material that I can find on Quidlid, I just, I read. I read, I listen. I think one thing that has also helped me a great deal in my journey really was the coaching with Lynette. Oh. That really helped me a lot because it, it really focused me so that I can be aware of, of my feelings and really how to deal with my feelings. I think one of my biggest struggle was that even when I'm angry, I would drink just to calm down. Now I've learned with the tools from my coaching sessions, I've learned how to deal with the feelings, sit with how I'm feeling, breathing techniques for me to calm down. So that has really helped me a great deal. Fantastic. And really just choosing to be sober every single day. It's an ongoing journey. Every day I choose to be present. I choose to not drink. And yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Wonderful. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at TribeSober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at TribeSober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. So if you had to pick your top three benefits of being sober, what would you highlight in particular? Oh, the biggest thing is better sleep. Oh, Lord, that was my struggle. Sleeping was, I'm a light sleeper generally, but I never used to sleep waking up at 2 a.m. or at 3 a.m. every single night. And I thought at some point, back then I thought that drinking relaxes me and I sleep better. But I tell you, now I know what better sleep is. I sleep much better. My anxiety is reduced. I don't have panic attacks anymore. My improved relationship with my daughter and my family I save a lot of money because now I don't buy a bottle of wine or two bottles of wine every day. And just showing up in the world, I show up every day with a clear mind, full of energy. And yeah, I'm really loving it. Fantastic. If someone's listening to this, Bontley, and they're where you were doing your driving and drinking and not quite knowing how to get help or go forward, what would you say to them? How can they actually get started? I think that's the most difficult thing, isn't it? The most difficult thing is it's getting started. But I think the most daunting thing is where to get help. Because I think that was the biggest thing that I struggled with back then when I tried AA. I would say reach out. The first thing is to reach out. I reached out to, to Tribe Silver you will be accepted and we are all not perfect but we just choose sobriety on a daily basis so for me it's just reaching out yeah it's so true isn't it we just have to find our people and if that's Mm. aa that's fantastic but if you need to search other groups then try someone else and i would say to people try different things until you feel yes i like this group i can connect with this group because it's so important you've got to be comfortable yes yeah fortunately i didn't need to look for different groups i must say i i am quite comfortable where i am i've made great connections with with people in the tribe and 
yeah, it has been really great. Oh, we we love having you in the tribe and we hope that you'll stay and it's going to be so awesome just watching you flourish and thrive in your sobriety and help other people just by being sober and being a great example. So anything else you think we should mention, Bontley? Yeah, I think for me... Being sober is like a rebirth. I feel like I can truly now be myself. I can truly now look at myself and and see what is it that I want for myself. I feel like I have missed out so much years drowning myself in alcohol, but I'm excited. I'm excited about my future. I'm excited about the connections that I've made. I'm looking forward to life again, really. And I would really like to thank Tribe Sober and the people that I've connected with there. We have a great group here in Joburg. Our meetups are the best. We go out, we really take some time to time with each other and talk to each other. The support has really been great. So I am really grateful and grateful for my family as well. My family has been so so supportive. No one has ever said to me, oh, are you not drinking? But they have really encouraged me. They've really truly been there for me. And they've been there for me in my drinking days. They've carried me so much, even though no one ever said to me that you have a drinking problem, but they, they really carried me. And I really appreciate that. Oh, that's wonderful. I love the way that you describe it as a rebirth, because it is. I was saying to someone the other day that one of the benefits of sobriety is you get an extra birthday every year. And I think our soberversaries are are as important, if not more, as our conventional birthdays. Because for me, that was the day that everything changed. So um, yet another benefit, an extra birthday. (laughs) So, Bontai, how can people connect with you? I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people and they might want to, to talk to you personally. Are you, are you happy to give an email address? Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to for people to reach out to me. I've had people reaching out to me already on, on my Facebook. On Facebook, people can reach out. When I'm on Instagram, I am ngwana.b on Instagram. They can follow me. And yeah, let's talk about it. A lot of women have come up to me who are mothers and wives who say, look, I didn't even know that I have a problem. Now I think I have a problem. And we've started those conversations. So I'm really willing to talk to people and assist wherever I can. Thank you so much for your inspiring share, Bontley. And well done on your success. We're so proud of you. You heard Bontle say that she was excited about her sobriety and that's exactly what we say to our new members. We say don't be depressed about the thought of ditching the booze, get excited. You're embarking on the journey of a lifetime. You also heard her saying that she found coaching with Lynette very helpful. Well, new Tribe Sober members get an introductory session with Lynette as part of their membership. So yet another reason to join us. So let me pull out some key points from my conversation with Montley. 
Like so many of us, Bontlet's drinking story began at the age of 18 and escalated during university years, especially during parties and social events. During her 20s and 30s, she was busy studying and working, but alcohol remained a significant part of her life. All attempts to moderate were unsuccessful. She began to have blackouts and she could sense her increasing dependency. In her early 40s, Bontley was faced with the consequences of excessive drinking, including accidents and increasing anxiety. COVID intensified her drinking habit, leading to daily consumption of a bottle of wine or more. She struggled with guilt, anxiety and a sense of loneliness associated with drinking. The relationship with her daughter was affected, with the daughter expressing concern about the drinking. Bontley had a car accident whilst driving in a blackout. Although this served as a wake-up call, the drinking continued. The turning point came in 2022, after the end of a relationship which led to a period of self-reflection and a desire to find happiness. She began to realise the negative impact that alcohol had had on her life. So in May 2022, she decided to quit drinking. A decision which was driven by hangovers, exhaustion and the desire for a more fulfilling life. So Bontley joined Tribe Sober, attended the Zoom cafes and connected daily with the community. She found comfort, support and inspiration from the other members' stories. She made the interesting point that initially her motivation to quit drinking was external, focusing on relationships and reducing her anxiety. But over time, it shifted to internal reasons, seeking purpose and personal happiness. Bontley was concerned about the reactions of her friends when she quit drinking. Sure enough, some of them struggled with her decision, but others were very supportive. In fact, not only were some of her friends supportive, but they were rather interested in what she was doing. And Bontley's role in her friendship circle transitioned from being drinking leader to being sober influencer. How cool is that? A crucial part of her success was the engagement with Tribe Sober and her coaching sessions with Lynette. Her benefits of sobriety included improved sleep, reduced anxiety, saving money and showing up in the world with a clear mind and lots of energy. Bontley encouraged anyone struggling with alcohol to reach out for help and she emphasised the importance of finding a supportive community. Bontley described her sobriety as a rebirth I love that, and indeed I often say that sobriety gave me a second chance at life. She feels excited about the future and gratitude for the support received from the Tribe Sober family. Like many of the Spontley has become quite passionate about sobriety, and she's open to sharing and talking to anybody that would like to contact her, so I'm going to put her contact details in the show notes. Thank you for the inspiration, Bontley. If you haven't yet signed up for our Dry January fundraiser, please take a look. 
And if you're listening to this and you're not even sure whether you have a problem or not, then taking a break is absolutely the best way to test your dependence. So take up our 30-day Dry January Challenge, which you can start on any date, right up to the 31st of January. Go to tribesober.com and check it out. So let me finish by reading out a message from our member chat room. This one is from Wanjiro, who joined Tribe Sober a few months ago and dived into sobriety with great enthusiasm. I asked Wanjiro how she heard about Tribe Sober, and she made me smile with her answer. Apparently she googled, anything but AA, and we came up. In fact, Wanjiro got off to a flying start, clocking up day after day of sobriety until day 85. This was her post on day 85. The wine which finally caught up with me on day 85, and it felt like a one-star horror movie. But instead of self-flagellating, I decided to deeply reflect on how I spectacularly exited the sobriety bus. First of all, I got just a bit too cocky and started skipping the daily work, which weakened my Y muscle. Secondly, I've been travelling and out of my comfort zone. Note to self, plan better Wanjiro. Thirdly, drink Samba is a tricky month. I should have been super vigilant. And finally, sipping on alcohol substitutes is like trying to outsmart a cat with a laser pointer. It taunts me and suddenly I start flirting with the idea of the real thing. I also remembered that I must be kind to myself, as you all recommended. I mean, surely 85 days without booze is practically a heroic feat for a starter like myself. I'm therefore not starting from scratch. I'm just adding another badge to my sobriety slash. So here I am, waving down the sobriety bus. Driver, stop that bus. I'm hopping right back on, armed with experience and a newfound appreciation for the teetotaler life. All aboard. All aboard. Thank you for the ongoing support, tribe. Oh, Wanjiro, what a hero you are. Lovely to see you back on the sober bus. It hasn't been the same without you. And I love the idea of a sober sash. I can just see you draped in them. So if you'd like to join Wanjiro and lots of other awesome people on the sober bus, then just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. If you haven't yet signed up for our Dry January fundraiser, please take a look. And if you're listening to this and you're not even sure whether you have a problem or not, then taking a break is absolutely the best way to test your dependence. So take up our 30-day Dry January challenge, which you can start on any date, right up to the 31st of January. Go to tribesober.com and check it out. That's it from me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. 
We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.